Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. So if my message were to have a title today, it would be Seek My Kingdom First. We've been all over that today. All over that. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, this is in the Passion Translation, so above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Above all else, the two greatest commandments, right? The two things that he told us, this is the first one, that's above all else, is to seek him, to seek him and to know him. And to know his kingdom realm. Well, it's not one of the first command, one of the two commandments. But it goes hand in hand with the two commandments. So in this verse, he addresses the, the before this, in this in chapter six, he's talking about, he's talking to the disciples and the Samaritans about the worries. They have all these worries and concerns in life. All these things that weigh them down. All of these things that keep them from being able to put God first. All of the ways that we were talking about that gap, that the overflow gap. The gap between where you are and where you need to be, right? There's this gap there, and that's the overflow gap that God wants to fill in. And when we seek him first above everything else and his righteousness, he will fill, right? So we have to seek him first. So I heard him say this to me in my spirit the other day. Put me first and I will increase your capacity, right? When we don't have enough, if we put him first, we do. We do, there's enough. Like all those vats that the woman prepared, she gathered up. The prophet said, go get all, all of it, all that you can find. And every time she scooped out of those containers, it was there. Did she look and count it? The scripture doesn't really say that she did that. But she walked in knowing that God was with her. And that if she continued to be obedient in what he was asking of her the prophet was in the house God was with her that it would be met the need would be met I'm not telling you that your problems and your worries are going to disappear I can't tell you that but I can tell you they look a lot different when you're putting God first they do not consume your mind they do not manifest themselves in your body in the form of illness and sickness and worry and stress and headache. It will not manifest itself that way. But instead, you'll begin to see God work, put his finger on it. I love that idea that if he just touches it, if we just allow him to do that, if we don't cover it in worry and we cover it in God, if we'll seek him first, The worries of this world keep us distant from him. They pull us away from him because our eyes are not on him. 
they're on the worries and the concerns. They were concerned about what they were going to eat and what they were going to wear. And God said, don't do it. Seek me first in my righteousness. His righteousness is great. And if we keep our eyes on him, he'll work all those things out. He is screaming so loudly right now to us as his people, wanting us to seek him first. Messing up every agenda and plan that we have, right? Because he's greater. There is nothing that we can say that can trump what he has already done and provided for us. I am, we are just vessels, vessels to be used by him. But if he is not here, my words are not adequate enough. I am not enough. Without his anointing and his overflow in my life, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to give. I'm not witty enough. I don't speak well enough. I've got this quiet voice, which I talk about all the time. It's not quiet to me. Because there's a lion on the inside of me. Because my spirit is a giant. Every longing will be filled by him. He completes us. He completes us. There is no lack. If you came in today feeling like there is lack and all these empty spaces in your life, he truly wants to fill those spaces. If we'll seek him first, if we'll seek him first, seek my kingdom, he said. Seek first my kingdom. His kingdom is a way of being. And like Karen said, it's an upside-down kingdom. It does not function like the kingdom of this world. As a matter of fact, if, if you're functioning and living in the kingdom of this world, you need to flip it upside down and do right the opposite. Right? Because we decrease so that he can be increased in our life. So that then it's not about you seeing me in all of my inadequacies. But it's about you seeing him and that drawing you to the Father should never be about my accolades or my abilities. But it should always be about my eyes focused on him and me bringing to you what he has birthed inside of me. So what does this look like? This kingdom, this way of being the way that he governs, and the way that we should move. And, and how do we get to know about his kingdom? How do we, you know, seek first his kingdom? But how do I do that? What does that look like? And these are really practical things, right? Because I would say, I'm just going to say 100% of you really do want to live in the overflow. You want to know God in a real way. It doesn't, he doesn't want to be a distant thing to you. He doesn't want to be off in the, in the heavens somewhere because he's not. But he longs to have relationship with you. And when you feel that feeling when he's close by, and, and it's almost as if you can hear his voice talking to you and calling you. Because as we pursue him, he's already in pursuit of us. He's already in pursuit of us. 
And that thing that we try to compress and we try to press down so that we don't have to deal with it because he is in pursuit of us. And we try to cover it and mask it with all these other things that we try to fill up within us. It's really just a space made for him. And nothing else satisfies. Nothing else will do. So what does it look like? It likely looks like more time spent in the secret place. Another word for secret place is the innermost chamber. Every time we look in scripture and we read about all of those that have come before us that did great and mighty exploits for God, it came out of the secret place. It came out of their relationship with God and what that looked like and how they spent time with him. I cannot tell you individually what that looks like because you have an individual relationship with him and you know best what he's calling you to do. But I will guarantee that either he is calling you right now to the secret place in your life in this season or you have shut out the draw uh, to the secret place. Because scripture is clear that that is where we find him. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say that he is my refuge and my fortress. And in him will I trust. Psalm 91. He is in the secret place. You want to find him? Go to the secret place. What does that look like? That could be reading his word. And if you want to, the formula, this is the best one I have for you, so you might want to write it down. <laughs> that may mean that he speaks to you through the word of God. I mean, he does. He speaks to all of us through the word of God. But we know enough about his character and his nature to know that he doesn't just have one method to reach our heart, but he has multiple methods of reaching us. But his word, prayer, through praying, talking, communicating with him, communicating with him. What about listening? Just being quiet with him. Anybody got trouble like not being able to? Yeah. Because he's speaking, and he wants to encounter you. He wants to encounter you. Why do you think? And I'm just going to talk to you like he talks to me. So if it, if it steps on your toes a little bit, he's already stepped on mine. So there, we'll go together, okay? Can we do that? But he wants us to mature in him. When those... When those, uh, the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they had manna fresh anew every day. If it st stayed around, it spoiled. He wants to encounter you new and fresh every day. And the way that you spent time with him and the way that you encountered him six months ago is not going to do in the new era. It's not going to do. Because there's more of him to be discovered always more 
But are we willing to go there? Why do you think it is in Scripture when, it, when you stand before God and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And you'll be like, but God, I did all of these great things in your name. And he says, but I never knew you. Because that's what he's after. He's after the knowing. We can do all the good works and miss the relationship, the extravagance of who he is. That place of no restraint. Absurd abundance of who he is. And when we live a life in his extravagance, in his presence, then we say, then we stand before him and he says, welcome my good and faithful servant. Because he knows us. We are in relation with him. It's not about a prayer. It's not about me leading you through the ABCs of salvation. That is yet just the beginning of what he wants you to know about him. It is a lifelong journey of understanding the intricacies of who he is. And he puts a longing inside of us that we will try to fill with everything under the sun. Busyness, anybody do that to avoid spending time with the Father? My to-do list is too long. And as I say it to you, I've walked through it. There's no condemnation, but just the reality of he is drawing on us so hard that we actually have to make a decision not to give in to it. It's not like he's just tapping on the door. Tap, tap, tap. He's banging on the door of our heart. And he's saying, I've heard the cries. I've heard the prayers when you didn't think I was listening. When you were desperate for me, I heard you. I heard you. I heard every one of those prayers. And now I'm trying to fulfill those. I'm trying to answer that. Let me in. He's telling someone this morning to let him in. It's not that you're not saved. It's not about salvation. Lest anyone could boast, right? It's not about our salvation. Salvation is important. But over and over again, you know, Daryl will often say that God upped the ante in the New Testament, and he's absolutely right. It no longer became about the rules. And if you live this way, and if you do this, and you honor the Sabbath, and if you honor your parents, and you put no other God before us, and he is saying that. He is saying that today. He is saying, I want no other God but me. That's what he is saying. And he is saying that if you'll make me your God, I'll make you my people. If you'll make room for me, And it's not always going to be convenient. And maybe I'm a really nice person. Just want to tell y'all that before I say this. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> I 
but maybe your 15 minutes isn't enough anymore. And you know why? Because he's got more for you. He's got more for you. You won't be looking to the other things that we make gods out of. All the many idols that we set up in our life so that we don't have to pursue him. I mean, that's really what we're doing. Anybody fill themselves up on food? Because it feels good when our tummy is nice and full. And it becomes a comfort to us. At the same token, who fills up on exercise? To avoid. To avoid. Binge watching. Whatever your favorite thing is to watch. And really God's going... And you're trying to drown out the sound. He doesn't want that for you today. He's saying, have no other God before me. Have no other God before me. Make me your God and I'll make you my people. Would you just make me your God? I've apparently had a dream about this moment, so this is a moment of destiny for someone. Because he loves you. He's not guilting you into anything. He's just saying, would you take my hand and come with me? Because I have great and wonderful things to show you and places to take you that will blow your mind. Every other thing that you've tried to fill up with will be second rate to what I have for you. You want to see your family come back together. You want to break generational curses off of your children. He says, come to me. I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I need you. I need I need you. I need you and I want you. Would you just come away with me? Would you just come away? Would you just quiet the noise for just a few minutes so that I can encounter you and you can encounter me? Would you just quiet the noise? Because I've got so much. So much. And it's a decision and a choice that we all have to make individually. And some of you may be like, but my life's not that bad, really. It's not that bad. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Because honestly, I think sometimes complacency can be an even scarier place to be. When you don't see a need. When you've allowed yourself to get to such a place that the need is not even there. Because in my mind, I see that like the enemy's like, I got them right where I want them. Complacency will kill. I had no idea this was going to be so heavy. But it's not, see, because it's the pursuit of him in this atmosphere where we've come together. Where he's like, right now is the time. And you can make the decision right now that I can be your God and you can be my people. Do you hear him saying that? Do you hear him bidding you to come? 
come away with me. So I told you a couple ways that you can increase your capacity for him. Because you remember, if we seek him, then that will increase our capacity. Which he has spoken to this house, and we've been in a season of that. And he's teaching us if we'll let him. If we'll let him. And he took me to Acts. He's just stepping all over my toes. So y'all just come with me. So he said to me, will you wait? And he took me to Acts chapter 1 verse 4. And it says, Jesus instructed them. This is what Jesus said before he was taken to heaven. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about. The gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, which is good. Baptizing in water is good. That's a good thing. But in a few days from now, I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. We sing about fire. That's the fire. The Holy Spirit. And... In verse 8, it goes on to say, I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with power. That also means seized with power. It's extravagant. It lacks no restraint. The disciples had to wait 10 days. Do you know what I found interesting about that story as I was reading it? is that they actually returned to the place that they had the last supper with Jesus. They returned to where they had encountered him before, where they had been with him, where they shared the last meal with him, where his body was broken, and they ate of the bread, and they drank of him. And in... John, it goes on to say that if you're not willing to eat my blood and drink my blo- eat my bread and drink my blood, then you have no part with me. He wants us to encounter him like that. So they returned to the place that they had been with him, where he washed their feet. And are we willing to wait for him? Are we willing to, would we, would I have been willing to go into that room and wait 10 days? Because he didn't tell them how long it would be. He, they did not know. They just followed in obedience. And that is the way he is. He gives us one part and he's waiting for our act of obedience before he unlocks the next piece of the puzzle. And are we willing to wait for him? I mean, I really had to think about that. Ten days, Brian. Would I have waited ten days? You you cannot birth anything without intimacy. It takes an act of intimacy to birth anything. And he wants to birth new life inside of us. But we've got to be willing 
to give into the call, the waiting, searching here and there. And he's like, I'm right here, knocking. So what is he saying to you? I really think this is a moment of reflection. And where I'm at and what that looks like for me is different than what it's going to look like. You know why? Because he wants a relationship with you. He's got one with me. And that relationship doesn't need to look like mine. Because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He made you uniquely. And he purposed you as such. And what works for me may not be the right formula for your life. And you have to figure out what that is. And that is a pursuit. That is a pursuit. So be looking for him to draw you away. Whatever that looks like, okay? Because he is. Listen. Listen to him. If you write notes, you might want to write this down. I don't know. Listen and respond. Don't just take it in, but put an action to what he's saying. Put some action to that thing. Move things out of your way. All of our lives are so full. As a matter of fact, I refuse to tell someone I'm busy. Because everybody's busy. How dare I think that my life is any heavier or any busier than anybody else's? My life is full. But God knows the plan that he has for my life. And I have to trust him with that. But I have to make room for him at all costs. I have to. I cannot survive without him. I can't be the person I'm called to be. I can't lead you the way I need to lead if I am not spending time with him. I cannot be the wife or the mother, the teacher, the friend, the confidant, the mentor, any of those. I cannot be none of those things outside if, to my capacity if I am not spending time with him. Make room for him. Move things out of the way. Make it possible. Don't say no. Start saying yes. Brittany, she's always telling me, just say yes. Just give him your yes. Even in the uncomfortable things. And it is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Wade, he's always like, I learned when we started this church, I had to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. What he said. He does, though. It is uncomfortable because it's intimate. He's an intimate father. And we struggle with intimacy. We live in a culture that has a lack of intimacy above the board. Because we don't have to engage at that level with people. Don't hug me. Don't touch me. Get away from me. I don't want to talk to you on the phone. Don't look at me in the eye. You know, I mean, that's the culture we live in. And yet he's saying, stare right at me. Here I am. Gaze upon me. Lock eyes with him. Lock eyes with him. 
He moved heaven for you. Not guilt. Just understand. That's extravagance. He moved heaven for you. And he's saying, like in the the Lord's Prayer, which is our favorite line around here, on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus said, pray like this. That means pursue like this. On earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means that our lives should look like heaven. That we should have been with the Father in such a way that we bring heaven to earth. I didn't say it. He did. So if you have a problem with it, you're going to have to go back to the scripture and talk to the author. That's mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to experience heaven? That seems like heresy. Or could it be freedom? Or could it just be Abba? (laughs) I want to share this one more scripture with you. In Mark... Chapter 4, verse 24 and 25. I actually have two scriptures. And it says, Then he said to them, Be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear. I think this is very important for us to grow up. Don't just discount the things that you don't understand, but ask the Father to reveal truth to you. Don't just say, eh, I'm going to skim over that one because I don't want to know, maybe. Or it takes up too much of my time. But he said to be diligent to understand the meaning. For as you do, more understanding will be given to you. The more will come. As you are diligent to understand, more will come. He wants He wants to reveal the mysteries of his kingdom to you. It goes on to say, And according to the depth of your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. Longing is hunger. Anybody in here ever courted somebody or been in love? There's a lot of longing in there. There's a lot of longing, right? You would drive hours to be with that person. You would stay up all night to talk to them, well, when we were growing up, on the telephone. (laughs) You would move heaven and earth to get to them because you longed to be with them. And I believe that that is the longing that he is placing within his people right now. Verse 25, for those who listen with open hearts, which we sang about this morning, will receive more revelation. But those who don't listen with an open heart will lose what little they think they have. Don't stop. Don't stop. What you ate on a year ago, yeah, that was a good book. That was a good teaching. That was a good conference. That was a good message. That was a good word. But don't lose it because he's got more he wants to show you. Don't stop there. Let's not stop there. You know, we're believing for a regional breakthrough in this house. We're believing that's a mandate on this house. 
We're not going to do that if we stop short. We've got to be willing to go all the way. Bill Johnson said this. I thought this was so good. Because sometimes they're like, I read the words in the Bible, but I don't understand them. They don't make any sense to me. And so people get discouraged, and then they lay down the Word of God. But there's life in the Word. It's the living Word. There's life in it. If you don't understand that version, my goodness, there's like 25. Find one you do. Ask someone you trust for a version of the Word of God so that he can reveal himself to you in that. Don't stop short. Bill Johnson said this. Instead of us being discouraged, because that's the assignment of the enemy to keep you out of the Word of God, to feel like I don't understand this and I can't get it and I get sleepy every time I open the Bible to read the Word. He said, he's not hiding things from you, but he's hiding things for you. And as you draw closer to him, he'll begin to open up the mysteries of heaven. And Bill used an example of an Easter egg hunt. And he said, uh, he said, you know, when you're two years old and you hunt Easter eggs, you know, as parents, we just, when we're hiding them, we just lay them out on the grass. And then we, the kids come out and they're all excited because they just get to pick them up. But when your 15-year-old wants to hunt Easter eggs, you got to really hide those things, right? And they want some cash in them eggs. They want a big payout, right? Not just a little Hershey kiss or a jelly bean. But that two-year-old is so excited to see that beautifully colored egg on the ground with that little bitty jelly bean in it that that's all you need to do, right, Tori? But as we grow in him, then we want to know the deeper mysteries. And he's got those eggs hidden for us, filled with great revelation and abundance. If we'll just do it. My last scripture, which I've used before this year, earlier, is Luke 6.21. And it says, How filled you become when you are consumed with hunger and desire, for you will be completely satisfied. Not partially satisfied. I am so hungry. Y'all are going to get tired of hearing me say that. But I'm so hungry for heaven here on earth. That I don't need to die to experience it. Because I am a citizen of heaven already. And I want to reflect that in the world around me. So I'm here to stir you up. You want to see change in your family? You want to see change in your own existence? You want to increase your appetite for God? Seek him first in his righteousness. Seek him first and see what he doesn't begin to move. So, what position, this is a question, rhetorical, you could just think about it. What position is God in in your life? I, I say that with love, with no condemnation, 
where does he stand? And see, right about there is when he said to me, I will have no other God before me. And if you'll make me your God, I'll make you my people. Isn't that what we want? So it's time to get rid of those old mindsets, all of those idols that we have set up, all of those things that we let proceed. It's time that we make room for him in our life. Because he's knock, knock, knocking. He's not tapping. He's knocking. He's knocking. And can you hear it loud? George, can you hear it loud in your being? When you just would like to run away from it. Anybody ever just want to run away from it? Because you're like, I don't know that I can do it. I don't know that I can trust. I don't know that I can surrender. But that's what he's demanding. Everything. That's all he wants. It's everything. <laughs> everything. So I asked the worship team to sing a song. Um, and I believe that there's going to be a response necessary to his drawing today. And you need to figure out what that looks like for you. I don't feel like I need to dictate what that is. I'm not um, in charge of your relationship with God. But as he begins to draw on you, will you respond? And if that's tears, just let them flow because they're cleansing. And the rain brings new life. So let it, let it flow like a river. If it's you need to come up to the altar area and lay before the Father, that's okay. If you just need to make an altar at your seat or an altar on your heart, maybe your heart has been so closed off to the depths of the Father that you just really need to just make an altar on your heart and just once again say, here I am, God. I don't know how to do this, but I'm trusting that you are a good Father and that you desire to give good things to your children. And so, God, if you'll just show me the way, I'll surrender my ideas and my thoughts of what I thought this journey should look like. But I'm asking you, I'm not asking you, but he's asking you to respond today. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Will, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.